October 29th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, we'll be reading from uh, the very short book Philemon, 1 through 25. We'll read about providence. While a prisoner in Rome, Paul met Onesimus, that means unprofitable, as a runaway slave who belonged to Philemon, a friend Paul had led to Christ. Paul won Onesimus to Christ and sent him back to his master in Colossae. Now the providence of God is quite amazing, that Paul and Onesimus should meet in the great city of Rome. Perhaps Philemon's prayers brought the men together. Now we'll read about friendship. Paul had so much good to say about Philemon. He was a beloved friend, a man of faith and love, a refreshing Christian, a praying man, a man who obeyed God's will. Can your friend say these same things about you? We'll also read about reconciliation. According to Roman law, Onesimus could have been executed for his crimes, but he had become a brother in Christ, and Philemon had to forgive him and take him back. A true reconciliation, my friend, is not cheap, never is. There is a price to pay. Paul knew this and was willing to pay the price himself. Uh, Time for a good question here, and that is, can God use you as a reconciler? Are you willing to pay the price? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 29th, Philemon 1-25 through This letter is from Paul, in prison for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. It is written to Philemon, our much-loved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to Archippus, a fellow soldier of the cross. I'm also writing to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing of your trust in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. You are generous because of your faith, and I am praying that you will really put your generosity to work, for in so doing, you will come to an understanding of all the good things we can do for Christ. I myself have gained much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because your kindness has so often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ, because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer just to ask you. So take this as a request from your friend Paul, an old man now in prison for the sake of Christ Jesus. My plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son, because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I really wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent, and I didn't want you to help because you were forced to do it, but because you wanted to. Perhaps you could think of it this way. Onesimus ran away for a little while, so you could have him back forever. He is no longer just a slave. 
is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a slave and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, give him the same welcome you would give me if I were coming. If he has harmed you in any way or stolen anything from you, charge me for it. I, Paul, write this in my own handwriting. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, dear brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident, as I write this letter, that you will do what I ask and even more. Please keep a guest room ready for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. John 17, Jesus says, This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What Jesus is saying is not just that the point of life is knowing God, but that the definition of life is knowing God. It's what you were built and designed for. There's a place in Jeremiah 9 where uh, God says, let not, the, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. And what the Bible is saying is, imagine that you were, what he's saying there in Jeremiah, imagine that you were the brightest person in the world so that every university and every government wanted you to work for them. Or imagine you were the greatest athlete in the world and you were a national treasure. Or imagine that you were the sole heir of five billion dollars what kind of life would you have if you were in those situations? What kind of satisfaction, what kind of fulfillment would you experience? What is God saying in Jeremiah? He's saying, that's nothing compared to the thrill and satisfaction of knowing me. That's the claim of the Bible. The Bible dares anybody to disprove that. That, the, that knowing God, the satisfaction and fulfillment of knowing God is far greater than the satisfaction of being the wisest, the mightiest, or the richest person in the world. Nobody's ever disproved it. People who have tried it, their hands at both have always said that God's right. Knowing God. Ask the average person coming out of church this morning in New York, why did Jesus come? Some will say he came to show us how to live. Some will say he came to die so we would have our sins forgiven. Now those are true. But ask Jesus why he came, and you'll see that those answers have missed the point. 
When people say, what is a Christian? A Christian is somebody who goes to worship, acknowledges God in all of his life. A Christian is someone who tries to live life on a higher plane. A Christian is someone who goes to God when he's in trouble and gets help. A Christian is someone who gets inspiration from reading the Bible. And Jesus says, you've missed the point, Philip. You've missed it. I came. I died. I was raised. I passed through the heavens. I am seated at the right hand of the Father that you might know him. A personal knowledge that you might know him intimately, daily. There is nothing greater than this. There is no, nothing short of this is your goal. Psalm 101, verses 1 through 8. Determination and dedication characterize this psalm. As David says, I will nine times and shall six times. He wanted a perfect, that is a blameless heart, not a perverse or a twisted heart, or even a proud heart. To be perfect before the Lord does not mean to be sinless. It means to be sincere and without pretense. John called it walking in the light. See, David wanted justice in the land and the city, just as we do today. But civic righteousness must begin in the heart and in the home. Yes, we need honest people enforcing just laws, but we also need godly people living holy lives, starting at home. That's where it begins. If it's not together at home, in other words, if you're not living righteously at home, please don't export it to the rest of us. We must be careful what we look at and listen to and with whom we fellowship. In a world full of illusion, we must avoid lies and must walk in God's wisdom. Unlike David, we do not have authority to execute judgment on the wicked. But if our hearts and homes are what God wants them to be, our influence will be felt in the city and the nation. Psalm 101, verses 1 through 8, a psalm of David. I will sing of your love and justice. I will praise you, Lord, with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to my aid? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all crooked dealings. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will keep a protective eye on the godly, so they may dwell with me in safety. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve me, and liars will not be allowed to enter my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out criminals and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20. Fire goes out for lack of fuel, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Mm -hmm.